Kia ora. Welcome to Maxim Institute's Book Club Podcast. My name's Tim Wilson, Executive Director of Maxim Institute, and this time we're looking at Breaking Bread with the Dead by Alan Jacobs. The moment I heard about this book, I was excited to read it. I love reading. I've been a long-time reader. Uh, but this is a book with a special aspect to it. It's not just about reading the books that we get today. It's about reading into our past and the problems and perils associated around that. And so when I said I wanted to do this book, Kieran Madden jumped at the chance. Why, did you, why were you so excited by it? Well, Tim, I think... I usually I don't uh, I've got a lot on at the moment at work and so I don't usually jump at the chance to do more work um, but in this case I was really excited about this book I'd read previous uh, Jacob's some of Jacob's previous work um, how to think um, and he's an incisive thinker and, and he's balanced and charitable and so mm. I and, and eminently reasonable and I like that kind of man and so I like what he's written I was really keen to see what he'd um, what he'd come up with on this topic um, I don't necessarily need to be persuaded about uh, how the, the worth of reading older books, mm. um, but I was interested in, in, in his rationale and where he was coming from. And I also like to um, sort of wax lyrical about all the things that are wrong with the present age, and he does a lot of that in this book, so <laughs> it works well. So an opportunity to grumble, mm. uh, but also when you open a book, given that you are seeking balance and charity uh it's not just pages but in a sense a mirror because uh, because you yourself are balanced and charitable in many respects you know? yeah, yeah stop tim stop okay i'll stop now we'll get to the heart of the matter uh which is that uh, we are pressed for time we are overloaded with information and we are preoccupied with our current era or something that uh, jacobs defines as presentism is that right was that the, is mm. it the yeah that's that, that's the expression he uses yes. uh, we believe our era is an apex of human experience and so we can discard uh, what you might call history but jacobs doesn't buy that does he no and it is it is that sort of uh a lot of this book is a critique of uh, the just the notion of progress capital p progress that history is um, just getting, we are becoming more and more enlightened as the years go on, and those who became for, before us are broadly unenlightened, um, and therefore have very little to offer. Which is part of the, uh, he writes in the book that this book is actually for. Uh, no, he writes that ninety-eight percent of people probably won't read this book because they are so stuck in this presentism. Um, and that it's written for a 2%, which is quite a, quite a minority. Quite a minority, but Jacobs doesn't really, he doesn't really care about the 98%. He really wants to win over the 2% who he believes are going to read this book and who are, I think, put off the prospect of reading deeply into the past because of a particular political worldview uh, or this, uh, this, this preoccupation with the present. Um, and that's, I think, I think that's the thing that attracts me to aspects of this book. I'm not 100% sold. Mm. Uh, if I were to rate, no, I'm not going to tell you what I rate it as, but um, in, in terms of how sold I am. But I think he's correct in uh, the fact that we do suffer from an information overload. Information is coming at us from, uh, from all vectors. So we are actually probably reading less anyway. Yes. Uh, and 
the notion that we're preoccupied with uh, with our current times means we're mostly perhaps likely to be reading about our times. What he touches on also, which I think is really interesting, is the fragility of the worldviews that we have. When I say we, I'm talking about other people, of course, not balanced, charitable, intelligent people like you and I, Kieran. Uh, and the fact that someone will close the covers of, uh, of a Jane Austen novel because they believe uh, that what they're, what they're reading, uh, despite the fact that it was written by a woman, are the rank, sexist and patriarchal attitudes of that era, mm. which we have now superseded. Mm. Indeed. And this, you know, I just saw in the, the newspaper uh, yesterday that Enid Blyton and the famous five books are, you know, being cancelled. We saw Dr. Seuss cancelled. It's just sort of um, this sense of... Uh, the sense of any literature currently is being judged by the uh, the morals or the uh, you know or the the values of today, um, and not as I think one of the other authors uh, or one of someone else who's quoted in there that they're not judged on their own terms. They're not judged based in the world that they're indeed written on. Um, so I think uh, what I think that Jacobs does really well in this book is is problem definition. Um, around the informational overload, as you said, I think um, part of why just cancelling or just ignoring problematic ideas of the past, just cancelling books, cancelling people wholesale, is that it keeps us safe in a sense that because we've got so much to so much to so much information out there, mm. and he uses the term triage, it's sort of like we need to triage what's coming in and if something is if, if we can get something out of our mental space then we'll do it really quickly but it means we lose um, the richness and the depth and the, and the potential sort of truths that are, that are sometimes hidden or obscured um, but worthwhile in these in these older books in these older books and and the word the expression that um, uh, that Jacobs uses is personal density for what may be uh, construed as a kind of intellectual resilience that's available to us if we do read books that challenge us, if we do read books that uh, that don't conform to the political or um, philosophic dictates of our time. And and his his thesis, well, I think, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but his thesis is if you can read these books uh, and... You don't close the covers, but you actually. And the, I love the way he uses a, he uses the um, the metaphor um, later in the book of wrestling with uh, wrestling with someone, of wrestling with uh, an ancestor, if you like. And, um, and 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 the sense is that if you wrestle with them, somehow you you're able to increase your own strength, your own ability to yes. accommodate contrary views. Uh, your view, it's not just accommodate contrary views, but it's to look into worlds that you don't really understand, but also you're able to retain what he calls the authentic kernel, which is the, that moment when an author, and um, Ian Forster once, once described literature as a, as a hand reaching out from the past to clasp your hand, mm. and that authentic kernel moment, uh, then if you can put all those together, you're able to build an attitude by which to cope with the information overload, the fragility of worldviews, the uncertainty, the need for triage, the oversaturation. Mm. Yeah, I, I agree entirely, and I think um, I love the just. There's a, there's a sense that what Jacobs is critiquing here is that we are bringing these books into these books as sort of um, 
resources into the present and saying how do they how do they hold up into our own terms and there's a there's a quote in the book that um that sort of exhorts us to do something different which is when we pick up an old novel we are not bringing them into our world and deciding whether they are enlightened enough to belong here we are journeying into the novelist's world and taking a look around um, in the sense that when you take a look around you might find this authentic kernel there might be some truths in here there might be some things that disgust and revile you but you don't you don't close the book you don't you don't make sure that it's cancelled and doesn't exist because you lose those you lose those kernels and i really what i what i really like about this book is some of the metaphors that are used um and the the the, the title around breaking bread with the dead um and there's a there's a chapter in the book called table fellowship and i think i really like the idea of um seeing viewing authors uh as being at, as as breaking bread with the authors as sharing a meal at a table um because a it's relational um, it's not just uh, this uh, this sort of objective resource that you're... You're, you're not passive. Correct. Actually, it's, it's, it's a dance in some way, a dance of the emotions and the intellect. Dancing on the table, yes, potentially. <laughs> Mixing metaphors, but we might well, do a bit more of well, that. Well, that's after you mix the white wine with the red wine, Ken. <laughs> um, but I, it's a sense that we are... And, and there's, another, there's another interesting part about the, the, the fellowship or the, or the breaking bread, which is a, a quote from Auden. Um of we're not necessarily, and this is something that sort of I came to halfway through the book, um, was that we're not inviting these figures, authors from the past to our table. Um, we're actually going to visit them at their table and to understand what their world looks like and, and understand, meet, engage um, with them on their own terms. Um, not, as I said before, trying to um, judge or just just bring things into the present where they don't they don't necessarily fit. What is fascinating for me about this book is that at some point quite early on, Jacob says, "Guess what? This is a self help book. This is a book that will make you a better person. It won't if you if you follow the rules or, or some of the guy. He's not a, he's not a rule person. More some of the guides that I'm laying out here: the ability to engage, the ability to be humble, etc., etc." Which is in, it's an interesting poise or pose. I actually think it's it's a bit more than that because what he's what he's arguing for is reclaiming our culture uh, and our culture's connection to the past. And got to say, uh, Jacobs is extremely well read uh, and is not backwards and coming forwards to let you know how well no, read he is. No, uh, which is. Um, you know, you're you're. If we were at table with Jacobs, Kieran, uh, where he would be surrounded by books, and they would all be dog-eared copies, and he would be reaching for them. I just I just want to give a quote here from um, Milan Kundera, um, talking about the necessity of this project to connect ourselves with our our, um, our literate and philosophic and 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 moral past, even if we now find aspects of it immoral. Um, this character in the Book of Laughter and Forgetting says that, the, quote, the first step in liquidating a people is to erase its memory, destroy its books, its culture, its history, then have somebody write new books, manufacture a new culture, invent a new history. Before long, the nation, and I use that generally, us, will begin to forget what it is and what it was. So there is a sense of mission here. 
that this is not just a personal self-help, oh, you'll become a better person. Yes, yes. You're actually attempting to, he's, he's sort of press-ganging us in to the project of rehabilitating uh, our culture by connecting it to our past. Yes, and I think um, you mentioned the, the notion of personal density before, which is one of the sort of central concepts that Jacob's relying on here. Um, and, and I like that the, 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 the idea of, of, of density as a way of um, not being blown about by the, the sort of volatile winds of the day. Um, and he draws on another concept, which is sort of connected called temporal bandwidth. And this is, this is that notion of just being able to, to look back into the past. Um, and to the extent that we can look back into the past, we, um, we will be more weighty um, and, and less likely to be blown about by those winds. Um, if we're just living in the past, just living in the moment, we're in trouble. Yeah, and those winds blow, but they blow at, at many times during human history. Mm. So what's really interesting to me is that, um, that he sets up this, um, this notion of, um, of, 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 of our era which is that it's oversaturated, that we're, yes. we're sort of vacillating, we're trying to, we're trying to make time, um, we're trying to stop time in a way. Um, but then he goes and he talks about the novel that was probably the most, um, what is it, the most, it was the bestseller in France in the, was it mm. the 18th century? Mm. Rousseau's yes. uh, novel. A romantic piece, if I a recall. A romantic piece. A romantic piece, yeah, yeah. But what is interesting is that it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a love story. Mm. And one of the heroes of the love story is um, connecting with his beloved. And he's saying that because uh, he's entering the world of the, pre- leaving, leaving the world of their love and, and coming into the world of, um, of, of, of comings and goings and things to do and, and sort of like the, the busyness of it, that he finds he doesn't know which day what he loves and that's uh, it's really fascinating that this uh, i know that uh, jacobs would say well this is a particularly modern or contemporary pardon me dilemma but he, then he he sort of lets the cat out of the bag with this rousseau novel uh and 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 actually says that perhaps this is my my inference was that this might be a human dilemma uh so so i think i'm this is where i start to perhaps critique Jacobs a bit, that presentism that he's accusing us of, uh, he may well be guilty of in his own book. Now, Kieran, am I being a bit unkind about this uh, very august author? Well, I'm not sure uh, to, to what extent is he doing that, Tim, um, how the whole book is around an argument around looking looking into the past. Mm. Um, obviously, he's... He's writing from a particular time and, and, and place, but um, why? Can you tell me more about that that criticism? Oh, it just just in the sense that um, I and this is this is a sort of wider sense of I wonder if he um, and, and this is the danger that someone who is saying, well, we have to look to our history uh, to, under, to 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 escape, not to escape, but to fortify ourselves against the the um, toxic present, is that um, you tend to over toxify the present and 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 perhaps fortify over fortify the past and this notion that he's talking about i've got i've look i'm gonna what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna fossick around here for these uh these pages because i've got them um presented yeah the the novel is uh uh julie or the new eloise 
perhaps I should say that in a French way, Julie or the New Eloise by Jean-Jacques Rousseau. And um, what it talks about is it was the best-selling book of its century. And um, as, uh, as the hero is, uh, is talking about his, um, his loss of, um, I suppose it's a loss of identity, uh, he says, and I'll quote here, I drift from whim to whim. This is without uh, his love. I drift from whim to whim and my tastes being constantly enslaved to opinion. I cannot a single day be sure what I will love the next. Now this is this is this is not necessarily a contemporary dilemma. I would say that uh, it, it, it's a human dilemma, yes. and that's the yeah that's the point I'm I'm trying to make is that for the sake of his argument, uh, it fits in the presentism. Uh, but I would I would uh, encourage Jacobs to pull away the scaffolds of argument and admit that this is actually a dilemma that probably we have confronted in different ways in successive generations. Yes, and I think there's there's um, the opposite of the of the progress narrative is the is sort of the doom the doom and gloom caricature of the conservative. Um, everything's just getting worse and worse, and hell in a handbasket and all of that. Um, I think there's there's probably tendencies in in here for that. There are two main ways that we can we can look at the past um, uh, that are sort of unbalanced or reductive. One of those is looking at the past in a, in a nostalgic way. In the sense that everything was amazing, um, and that we need to return there. I tell tell you what, growing up in Whanganui in the eighties, I can promise you it was great. Yes. But do I want to go back? Yes. Not sure. You don't? No. All right. Uh, there's a quote by a gentleman called L. P. Hartley. In oh here. yeah, yeah. The past is a foreign country. They yes. do things differently there. Correct. You know it, Tim. Well done. Um, it's the only, to be fair, it's the only part of that. I think I have read that novel, <laughs> but it's the only, that's the most famous part. And it's the, it's the first two sentences. It's quotable. Okay, that makes sense. Um, but I, I didn't know that. But this, this resonated with me as another way of sort of thinking about this. Um, and as far as looking at sort of, um, not, not as, a, as a tourist, um, but the, this idea of different worlds. And I think these worlds are complex and they're not just better or worse but there's a richness and that's why we're trying to get at that sort of notion of, of the authentic kernel before that there's there's some truth in the in, in the past that we can we can find from from these books yeah and that truth is not necessarily connected to the circum uh, we one could argue that there are certain truths that are immutable no matter what era uh, and and I, I would say most people would agree with that that um, that it is uh, you know thou shalt not kill that's uh, that that's fairly I would say that's fairly set in stone. Uh, aspects like that are are not dependent on the circumstantial arrangement of uh, petty morals that occur around them, and and sometimes I think this is um, this is uh, Jacob's point is that people are repelled by the fact that uh, for example um, a woman. Uh, may be pursued by a man and not be able to exert some choice over the kind of suitor she has in in a in an in an Austen novel uh etc etc whereas what uh, what Austen is actually talking about is a social structure and about um society and hierarchies as much as uh, romantic relationships and she's very good on those too but but if people are repelled by that then they're not going to get to that authentic yes. kernel yes. and i i've got to say because uh, he he used the example of a feminist who who perhaps uh, might close close Jane Austen uh, because uh, because she didn't uh, approve of the construction of, uh, of of social relations or romantic relations. Do you really believe that people are that ideologically driven these days? Is ideology so prevalent 
I'm, I'm not convinced. Am I being just uh, optimistic? I think if we categorize this notion of progress or progressivism as, a, as an ideology, I think yes. Um, I think that's what Jacobs is, is pushing up against here. Potentially less and less so around sort of more concrete ideologies of, of feminism or, you know, those sort of notions. Oh, so you're separating the note, just the, the idea that we, there are certain things that we reject for ideological reasons, a sort of generalized ideology, a generalized kind of politeness, uh, quote unquote politeness, um, as opposed to, uh, say, a feminist ideology or... or um, or, or an ideology that construes everything in terms of race, et cetera, et cetera. Mm, I mean, I think there's a, there's a, a, well, I'm just making a distinction between, between sort of the progressivism or this notion of this, this understanding of time and progress, moral and, you know, versus some of the more sort of critical theory or ways of looking at, at, at race or sex or class. Um, I think they're still definitely influential, um, but I'd say this, this idea of progress is the one that's the, you know, you're asking, is, is ideology still a thing? And I think, it, progressivism and all of is probably one the, the the king of the isms at the moment and as you say that i also recollect you know the two percent for whom this this book is for yes as as that we started out with and possibly um and 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 these are people who who read a lot who who read um aggressively and maybe read systematically perhaps what you might call intellectuals if you're listening now and nodding your head, you're probably intellectual as well. Um, but those people tend to perhaps certainly to be a w- more aware of ideologies and, and they may reject them or they may accept aspects of them that they think are conducive. And so I, as, I, as I think about this, probably my, my thought was for the general reader, probably not that ideological, uh, but the reader that Jacobs is, is looking at, is, is, is hoping to engage and hoping to help, is probably that 2% uh, that, uh, that, that may well be hostage to ideology. Now, I've been a bit critical of, of, of Jacobs, but one thing that I really love is his clear love of books and his clear love of reading and his desire to not just read the, the, the actual text themselves. And... and would you just a quick question? Would you recommend this book to other people? I would recommend it to other people. I wouldn't necessarily recommend it to every person. Recommendations are very personal things in my from where I'm coming from, and you need you know, it helps to know who the person is before the recommendation. That's just a general principle. But I think I think this is this is definitely a, a broad. It has broad allure. Um, yeah, it does. And I think we could all we could all benefit from the argument well, from the fruits of the argument that he's making which is which is becoming weightier people from engaging better in the past um, more richly in the past reading more helps but this is sort of a um he's 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 got a book how to think um he's got another book the pleasures of reading in an age of distractions this is kind of his shtick and i mean i wasn't surprised to read that this book uh, the genesis was from an, a piece in the guardian that he wrote and someone's oh this is good this could be a book um, because it is sort of a lot of the foundational ideas are kind of um, contained in the introduction and conclusion. And, and there's a lot of, as you said, a lot of eclectic and erudite pieces and authors that he quotes throughout, um, which is part of my sort of... Can I just, can I just jump yes, in here? please. Are you saying the middle's a bit soggy? Uh, for me, this could be a limitation on myself rather than the, this is you the being, book. This is you being charitable could, and balanced, It Karen. could be a me problem. But there's a lot of, I find a lot of books these days 
could have been an essay rather than a you know a 200 page book sort of filled out a little bit but it's all i think i also just i think because he is so widely read that i'm struggling to you know i sometimes struggle to keep up with this reference to a, a 12th century prince and then a simone Vale and then a you know it, it just darts from 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 time to time and place to place it seems jarring to me at times but you know i i wonder right, whether that's um whether that's that's I'm questioning whether that's a me thing or a, or, a, or an issue with the book. I think yeah. you, you maybe you, yes is the answer. A bit of both. Well, you've 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 hit on something there that I noticed too. That at times um, uh, Jacobs is very sedulous in laying out his arguments and very careful. And 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 and, and other times he's just doing donuts in the middle of the road on a Friday night. He's just you know, having fun. He's in, just in, having he's, in yeah. his own, you know, Jacobian way. Yes. Uh, he's he's having fun, and I think you know we can be left behind. Jacobite, a bit. <laughs> potentially. Not sure if he's a fan of that, but uh, yeah. So I mean, I mean, if if there was one criticism that I'd have of the book, I think that's that's the main one. It's a little bit a little bit soggy in the middle, um, but I think that the foundational arguments are, are sound, and, and I would you know you you asked whether I'd recommend it, I, I would heartily recommend this to, to to most people. I would recommend it, and the. Actually, I was talking with my father last night on the phone, and um, I, I'm, I said, "Oh, I'm, we're going to be talking about this book that I've been been reading." And I and my my dad loves books. Like he he had a study in the manse at uh, Forty Two Glasgow Street in Whanganui that was lined with books, and so Some old he, ones too. Yes, definitely old ones. He um he he was the one that insisted that I start reading um, Greek myths when I was uh, uh, ten or eleven. So that he I is would, the 2%. He is, he is the 2% of the 2%. Um, but I immediately thought, oh, oh, Dad, Dad, you love books. You'll love this book. Even if you won't agree with all of it, it this, this, the, and the, the, I guess the thing that I'm left with, and I've, I do have some other criticisms, and we can, we can possibly go into those, or, or maybe we don't need to, um, is that there is a sense of loving books, of loving reading, and and. My, my sadness, as I say that, is that I believe that that's a love that's not as widely shared as it used to be. That people don't, or they don't have the time, they don't have the capacity, they don't have the interest in reading in the same way that, that a Jacobs would or that 2% would. And I would like to see the 98% uh, encouraged, stimulated, compelled. Yes, compelled, Karen. Forced. No, but well... What? No, okay. I, I well, heard nothing. No, uh, to read books because in reading there is a kind of um, yeah. The, he is right that there is a different version of life, a different world, and different opportunities to confront yourself. I think um, you mentioned before around the you know part of this part of his argument is in, instrumental is is that's the self help part, which is both for you know to 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 form weightier people, but also. Uh, a more discerning uh, that could be not be the right word but a more discerning culture in the sense of being able to to sift about what's good and what's not you know what do we what do we keep from the past what do we what do we discard and i, I really liked um jacob's quoted chesterton saying and, and the quote is any man who is cut off from the past and content with the future is a man most unjustly disinherited and all the more unjustly if he is happy in his lot and is not permitted even to know what he has lost and so I really like that in the sense of there's a loss here if 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 people are not are not reading, 
but we also, you know, don't know what we've lost if we're not. <laughs> there, there, there's a it's a blissful ignorance, isn't it? But it's not it's not blissful because I think we feel the discontents yes. of that disconnection yes. from what is our inheritance, uh, and that's evident, you know, in terms of the, when when we look at uh, those those bellwether signals uh, that uh, Jacob summarizes at the beginning in terms of the the absolutization of politics, that everything is, is viewed through the lens of politics. That's something that's, that I'm very aware of, that, uh, that politics is almost doing our thinking for us. That's why I was interested in the ideology part, uh, because once you buy into an ideology, an ideology should just be a way of systematizing uh, and, and hopefully finding coherence in a set of views. But uh, I think too often we allow ideology to do our thinking for us because we haven't got the time or the ability to attend, or the concentration. And that's built by reading these books that tax us so, but reward us often when we don't expect. And I think there is that sense of sort of informational overload, as, as you're saying. There's always been impediments to attention. This is not a new thing. This is where you're saying this is, this is, this is a human dilemma um, that we don't necessarily focus on the good, the true, and the beautiful, um, that we are distracted and... Um, yeah, because there's chippies, lollies, and Coca-Cola, and there are, you know... The, and, and the, and, the and, cultural and forms beautiful, of those. And beautiful children, and all of those, all of those uh, distractions that are part of, um, you know, part of the, the non, non-monastic life. We spoke before about the, you know, we'll potentially be a bit critical here. Um, one of the hopeful aspects in the book, um, I think, was... Uh, Jacobs uh, cited some of Wendell Berry's work, um, and I love Wendell Berry. Um, and, the, and the ideas that Berry was criti- critical of in this particular essay was looking at this this idea of projection and saying, you know, the future we project into the future. We're saying the future is going to be like this or this or that. It's a very futurist view of the world. Um, and his critique of that is that it 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 it's it doesn't come at a cost. You're not accountable to anything. It's just, you're just projecting. Mm. Um, you're projecting yourself. Yes. Because, and that's the inconvenient aspect of the past, is that there are bits of it there that aren't yourself. Mm. Whereas when you imagine the future, guess where it comes from? Your tiny little bonds. Yes. And this is, and this is, this is, this is what he says. Um, Jacobs isn't against the future. And that, that's an interesting like uh, thing to to make clear here as well is that that I think he he cites Lewis and says that, you know if if we could see into the future we'd we'd he'd, we'd be arguing for that too but we just can't we only have the we only have the past um, but we still need to look into the future and think about what is the inheritance that we're going to pass on to our children and their children's children but as you said if we're just if all we know is is today then our our imaginations for the future are, are not furnished um, to, to do that well. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they're, they're, they're less than not furnished. There's no wallpaper on them. There's no there's no glaze. There's no double glazing. It's a bit ratty. Yeah, it's it's not a. Uh, well, I think I think that the past equips us. Ideally, the past should equip us to inhabit the present, so that we can conceive of a future that is consistent with the truths that we find in both the past and the present so we can thus import them into the future once we understand them once we know them if we shut that door uh, then they're not going they're not they're not going to be able to get through and this is this is that temporal bandwidth notion and there's the, if, if your temporal bandwidth is wide if you're going deep and, and richly into the past you can do that and i think um just just the, to finish off the, the berry point um instead of projection he he articulates a notion of promise so there's projection versus promise um and i 
this this kind of stuck out to me as as a again you know I, I really like the notion of table fellowship because it's relational I like projection is impersonal you're just projecting but promise is relational and so this this notion of we are promising into the future there's something here relational what are we promising to those who come after us um, and so this book's not just a not just about a posture or disposition about the past it's also saying the way we engage with the past is is um it's for our future as well um and that that's where the bandwidth goes not just from the not just backwards but but forwards too um and you know hopefully that can work towards a general sort of uh, you know using weightiness again um something that's that's weighty but it's 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 an i would say it is a um judiciously optimistic weightiness yes because if you are attaching yeah it's hopeful if you're attaching uh, a vision of the future to someone yes rather than just projecting it on this blank canvas yes that that we just see as capital H humanity yeah capital H humanity then that's different and that is more personal and to get back to um, what is so special about reading it's that once you open those covers and you start to amble through the pages, it really is just you and the author. Oh, there are characters populating uh, populating the scenes and there are descriptions, but it is just you and the author. It is the author. Um, it, it, it's almost you uh, completing the promise made by the author to you, even though they didn't know that you were there. And that that's in this, and yet it was something that was somehow made for you because you choose to inhabit it, and you're you're you become eventually at home there, and that's a, that, that's a metaphor I think for for Jacob's view of a well constructed future mm. based on an understood past, yes. an expanded present, uh, and a, a present of depth, and, and 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 ideally a hopeful future for our children and our children's children. Mm. Mm. And I think I mean it's a it's a richer way of viewing viewing the world i think than just um being sort of stuck in the present um and consuming whatever there is um that's being dished up to us um, by the algorithms and dished up to us um which are <laughs> the algorithms are driven by us as well which is the sort of the scary part it's a it's a feedback loop it, it is um and so that's where it does come down to um this this sense of a, the deeper relational view um mm. not just these sort of um abstractions of the future yeah, yeah. So, do you encourage people to read this book? I do. Yeah, I do I too. Do indeed. I, I do as well. And I just want to finish with, um, I suppose, a hymn, if you like, or a, a hymn of praise to books that is, is part of this. Um, he's talking about, uh, in the mid-1950s, uh, Robert Moses. Robert Moses was uh, a uh, sort of pillar-like figure in New York. He built contemporary New York uh, in, in many many of the large civic projects uh, that uh, that are in New York now were built by this, this singular figure, Robert Moses. He was the most powerful man in New York City. He oversaw the construction of a convention center uh, at Columbus Circle, I'm quoting now from Jacobs, that he, that he called and caused others to call the New York Coliseum. Now, years later, when Robert Caro was writing his biography of Moses, Moses cooperated, but would regularly ask of the book, scornfully, this is a builder of buildings, of things, of monuments. Uh, He would regularly ask of the book, scornfully, how long will it last? In a short while, it will be yesterday's news. Not worthy to be compared to a mighty Colosseum. 
And late in the year 1999, Caro watched from the window of his office as workers began dismantling the Colosseum, which has since been replaced by the Time Warner Centre. Relating this story to a journalist, Caro said, When they tore it down, I felt something about books. It's mm. a good point to finish on, and just the, the, say the eternal power of words that they, they stick with us. Um, and in this instance, not just words, but the people that, uh, that write the words and the worlds that they inhabit as well. Um, and so I think this this book has been encouraging to me and, and challenging to engage. I, I'm not I'm not one just to shut books because um, something's offensive, but I think it's it's been a bit of a um, an encouragement to just just open more books um, and and engage with them charitably, generously, and sort of selfishly for my own density. A much more dense Kieran Madden. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Mm, to do. Thank you. Thank you.